At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Welcome to Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. It's so good to see all of you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Um, I'm going to start reading on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is Easter Sunday. It is Resurrection Day. We get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Messiah, who is not dead. He is risen and alive. Amen? Amen. Yes. Let's all clap. Let's all clap. Yeah, get excited about this. It's in his resurrection that Jesus alone liberates us from an eternity of judgment and death. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. We know you didn't have to, but you wanted to. And it was in your heart and mind to pursue us even if we didn't deserve it, nor if we even looked for you. God, when you raised your son from the dead 2,000 years ago, you proved that God cannot be stopped by sin. It cannot be held back by death. And you showed us that hope was not out of reach. And you give us this hope through our belief. We believe, God. We believe beyond the, the, the doubts that we have, the doubts that cause us to be double-minded, to be scattered, to be broken, because you want to give us new life. And, and Father, for all of us here, we need that encouragement. We need that encouragement. Don't let us ever forget that you showed us the resurrection to give us hope, to give us acceptance into your household. What a privilege it is to be your child, to live how you created us to live, being loved by the almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth, the alpha and the omega. And we pray today that you remind us that this event, this resurrection is not something that passed by but the ultimate miracle that impacts every facet of our lives. We thank you, Jesus, for rising. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Today, I want to challenge all of us. If you decide at any point today you want to give your life for Jesus, I'm going to tell you, do it. Do it. But I also want to take 
you to the next step of faith, which is to be baptized, to make a public declaration of faith. If you identify yourself today, we will baptize you after the service. So keep that in mind. Come see us in the lobby in the Connect Desk because that's what we want to do for you to help you move forward with your new life. Um, we're wrapping up the series, Soul Food, Having a Meal with Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves, if you could have one meal with Jesus, what would you discover? What would you discover? And as I thought about that, I thought three things we would discover. The first is that the God of the universe loves us and invites us to his banqueting table. Second, that the king of kings wants to know more about the baggage that we bring to his banqueting table because he cares for us. But most importantly, I think the living Jesus calls us to repent, believe, and live our lives for him. Let's go to Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 49. There's a Bible in the seat back in front of you if you don't have a Bible. Um, that's our gift to you. If you don't have one, feel free to share it or take it to somebody. <clears throat> but some context before we get there. Um, the story we're about to read, it happens on the first Resurrection Sunday. Three days after Jesus was crucified on Calvary, the disciples are sitting around trying to figure out what happened. What's going on? And in fact, what makes matters worse and more complicated is that two people who are following along with Jesus um, were out of town and said, they come back and they say, well, we, we met Jesus on the road. He's alive. And now the 11 remaining apostles are like, what are you talking about? We're here sitting, contemplating what we're going to do with our lives. How can Jesus be alive? What, what's going on? So we pick up the story here in verse 36. <clears throat> As they were talking about these things, Jesus stood amongst them and said, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened as, they, as though they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me. See, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said that, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you here anything to eat? He gave them a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's the word of the Lord. Last week, Michelle sent Kate and I on an errand to drop off food to a friend's house. And so I plug in the address into the GPS and we start driving and, you know, we get to a place that doesn't exist, right? The address doesn't exist, right? But Google takes us there anyway, right? And so we can't find the address. And so, you know, now we're, we're driving around, we're in this neighborhood and we're just like, well, Google messed up, right? Now I'm doubting the all supremacy of Google, right? This all-knowing power. Google was wrong. It was wrong and it makes me begin to doubt, it makes me begin to doubt. And so, you know what? I'm a good father. I'm a good father. 
And I know that because not only do I teach my three-year-old about wolves that want to eat her if she doesn't sleep at night, but I'm going to teach her how to survive if Skynet ever takes over, right? I'm going to teach her. We don't need a computer, right? Okay, so we're going to drive slower this time, Kate. I'm going to show you. So we roll down the windows and we're driving slow down the block. Still no address, right? There's no address there. It's just not on the doors, right? Okay, you know what? We drove a little too fast, Kate. Let's get out the car. Let's walk because we'll find it when we walk, right? Because we can do this. We're better than the computers, right? And so, you know, we're, we're walking along and then, you know, the Michigan sun, right? Right, right. As springtime comes, you know, it just, it gets hot. And Kate goes, Dad, I'm hot. She starts pulling off her jacket and now, now we're walking together, one, food in one hand. I got, you know, Kate in the other. And, and this house is nowhere to be found, now I'm questioning, does this address even exist? Does this house exist? Right? I'm having a crisis. I'm doubting everything. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, I entered the, the address wrong. Let me, let me check again, right? So I, I check my text messages, see what Michelle texted me. And of course, how in the flippity flops did I copy and paste this address wrong? It doesn't make sense. And now what's running through my mind is, man, I'm losing it. I'm losing it, right? The, the lack of sleep finally got to me. It finally got to me. I just don't know what, what's going on. And so instead of cursing out the software engineers that made Google Maps, now I'm just like, why didn't they account for my mistake? I'm doubting even more, right? And so this is what people do, right? We doubt. And so we, we finally get to the house, the right house, drop off the food, and we're walking back to the car, and Kate says, well, I'm real hot. Dad, I think, I think we need some ice cream. And I'm looking at her, and I'm pretty sure it's not hot. But now, because I'm huffing and heaving, you know, and I'm dripping sweat because we've been up and down this block now. And I'm just like, you know what? It is hot. Because in my old age, I'm doubting myself. I'm, I'm having flashes, right? Is it hot? Is it cold? I don't know, right? And so, Kate, you know, Kate, it, 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 we, we don't need to go buy ice cream. We, we don't. There's ice cream at home. I'm pretty sure I saw a popsicle in there, right? There's an Elsa or Anna popsicle in the fridge, right? Um, I'm sure there's two tubs. I'm sure mom has it. And she's like, no, dad, I checked. There is no ice cream at home. We have to go buy it. So what, what am I going to do? Doubt my daughter? No, I'm just like, I was probably wrong. I messed up this address. I'm probably wrong about the ice cream. Okay, Kate. So what do we do on a 44-degree day? We go outside, have ice cream on the street. That's what we do, right? Uh, and I mean, but doubts, doubts, it's everywhere. It gets us. It gets us. Every single person in this room has doubts, right? That, that's just the truth of life. And I, I'm going to tell you, right? Doubts about relationships, whether they'll work. Doubts about our jobs, whether it's the right one. Or doubts about selecting all of the above as the right answer on a test. We doubt. And maybe, maybe you doubt whether your kids will come home or your parents will come home or, or the promises of God even. Will God stay true to his promises? Yet it's doubt that keeps us petrified between decision and indecision, between commitment and non-commitment, between conviction and disbelief. And so today on a day where we shouldn't be doubting the resurrection of Jesus because we need to be sure of that. We want to talk about doubt because that's the truth and that's the reality of our lives, that it's full of doubt. So today, what, what the story, what we see here is that the disciples doubted. They walked with Jesus for three years. They heard everything he taught. They witnessed him dying. They saw his empty tomb. They see his risen body and they doubted, right? And so 
When we wrestle today, and I want you, if you have doubt in your hearts and your minds about who Jesus is, about God, about just yourself, you're at the right place. Wrestle with us. Because at the end of it all, you're going to find out and you're going to learn that Jesus' resurrection is true. That Jesus' resurrection is true. Here's what I mean. People witnessed it and experienced the resurrected Christ in real life. Let's go to verse 36. We're going to jump back in and do a deep dive. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. So the two disciples who, who left town and went to Emmaus, and they were telling the other disciples about this, saying, hey, Jesus is alive. And yet all of a sudden, when this is happening, when they're debating, when they're debating, Jesus suddenly appears in a flash. And the first thought the disciples had was that, hey, Jesus is here because we actually saw his empty tomb. It's that there's a ghost. Because that's the logical conclusion that people jump to, right? Even though Jesus has been saying this for three years now, right? And so the disciples are like, hey, that's a ghost. Collectively, we see a ghost together. And so I don't know how they come to this, but they do. And Jesus says, I see that you're doubting. Look at this in verse 38. Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus is going to prove to them that he's real. See my hands and feet that I, it's me. Touch me and see. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. Ghosts don't have bodies, right? And then he said to them, as he showed his hands and feet, this is me. Touch me. Feel me. Right? Everyone can agree. If you doubt your experience, you can't doubt the evidence in front of you. Jesus says, start touching. Start prodding. Start poking. And yet, Luke says, even though they were touching his body, verse 41, they still disbelieved. There was doubt. They disbelieved with joy and marveling. Isn't that interesting? You can be doubtful, yet still be joyful and still be amazed. Isn't that what Disney World is all about? That these princesses are real, but they're right in front of our face, right? And so Jesus said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before him. This is so interesting. This text right here, it's so interesting because Jesus proves that he wants to prove that he's alive. Dead people don't eat. Would you all agree? Yeah, Jesus knew this, right? Jesus knew the disciples knew this, that dead people don't eat. You've never seen Casper eat anything on TV, right? So Jesus says, well, I'm going to eat. That's what's going to prove to you that I'm real. If you won't believe that my body is here and that when you're touching me, it's not real, then you're going to believe that I'm real because I eat with you. And so Jesus eats because dead people don't eat. And I know that just leaves lots of room for us to be like, wait. If the people who were there didn't believe Jesus, how can I believe Jesus now? These are all stories that we're hearing. And so Jesus says, you know what, to the disciples, if you can't believe me because I'm here in real life and you still disbelieve, I'm going to prove to you because everything that you've learned and been taught your entire life, everything that I've said to you, it's true. And so Jesus continues on verse 44. He says this, Jesus said to them, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so Jesus is reminding his disciples that the resurrection, that he would be resurrected, that the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, was all pointing to him. And I think it's really interesting that he breaks it down into three pieces because he knew exactly that the disciples would be like, well, I only see it in one piece, but not the other. See, because in the first century, the Old Testament, they, they came in scrolls. 
right? They were scrolled and they were bunched together in three bundles, right? The scrolls came in three bundles. One was the law, one was the prophets, written by the prophets, and one was the books of wisdom, the Psalms. And so the collection of all these things that comprise our Old Testament, that was their faith, right? And so these, these scrolls that were written, they were written across a millennia, and they were written by different authors. And Jesus is saying, you don't believe that I'm here, but now look, I'm going to show you that what these people have written about me over a thousand years, all these different people and these authors from different regions, they were talking about me. And so... Jesus continues, right? Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Don't, don't you love that about doubt? That when Christ comes and meets us at our doubt, no matter how strong our doubt is, our, our doubts have no legs to stand on. It, it's, it's so funny how God regularly upends what we thought was true to change it and be miraculous to prove his existence to us. Verse 46, and Jesus said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. This one verse, this is very interesting because there's so much packed into this, all right? So first, Jesus not only says, hey, I'm going to open the scriptures to you, right? There's three scriptures, three types of scriptures, but I'm going to show you because he goes, he alludes to the Psalms and the prophets and says, remember the Christ must suffer, the Messiah must suffer. In the Psalms, it's written that the innocent will suffer for the guilty. And in fact, the Psalm says that there is nobody innocent except the Holy One of Israel. He says, Jesus says, that's me. That's me, right? And so he says, well, may, maybe that's not enough for you. Let's look at the prophets, right? And so he, particularly looking at Isaiah 53, Jesus says, the Savior suffers, right? So Christ suffered, the innocent for the guilty to fulfill the words about Jesus in the Psalms and the prophets. And so now Jesus is putting this all together, connecting the dots for the disciples, right? And he's saying, this is not haphazardous. This isn't a coincidence. This was written about me. Now it's unfolded. It happened. I'm here. Different authors from over a millennia. And now this is where it gets real good. Jesus says, well, remember that thing about resurrection that you guys always talked about in theology? I'm just going to break all the rules about that. And Jesus says, in the third day, I told you this. On the third day, Jesus says, I'm going to rise again from the dead. And he says, I've been saying this for a while now. And I know in first century Jewish thought, in first century Jewish tradition and, and theology, what they know about the resurrection is that everybody will be resurrected at the end day when the temple is rebuilt. But you can only rebuild the temple that's been demolished by your Roman oppressors if you kick the Roman oppressors out of your country. So in the first century, when the, when the Israelites, when the Jewish disciples are, are experiencing things, the temple's still broken. Right? Their Messiah hasn't come to rebuild the temple because their Roman oppressors are still there. And so now the disciples are like, what is going on? The resurrection is supposed to happen in the future. This is just a thought exercise that we were having. And now Jesus says, it's happened. I'm here. It's real. And it happened a lot quicker than you thought it would. And so now this is hope. This existential thought, this philosophical quagmire is now reality. And so Jesus, this is what he does with his resurrection. He makes all these what-ifs, this impossibility, real. And he makes it real quick. It happens three days after he died. That's hope. That's what hope is. That we're not waiting for an eternity for it but it's happened already. You, you see, folks, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who is fully human but also fully God, he freed us from the penalties of sin. 
when he was willingly suffering for us on the cross because he was the perfect substitute. He fulfilled the law of Moses. In his humanity, he identified with our struggles, with our strengths, with our weaknesses. But in his divinity, what we learned is that death could not hold him. Death could not contain him. His perfect sacrifice covered the entire penalty of sin, all of ours. And it's because Jesus is alive that God continues to accomplish his purposes in us to give us new life, to give us hope. All that we need, all that we ever hope for, it comes from Jesus' death and resurrection. That's what we celebrate on Easter. That's what we celebrate today, Resurrection Sunday. That in we receive Jesus' atoning death without any merit of our own, but by God's grace alone. And if you wonder what that word by faith means, because you're, you're not familiar with that in church terms, it, faith simply means that you hold your doubt long enough to be convinced and convicted that Jesus would die for you. That's all it is. That you would hold back your doubt just long enough to be like, yes, this God is for me. No arguments and be convinced of that truth. That, that, that's what today's about. That's what, that's what faith is. You see, that's good news because that ushers us into the kingdom of God as his beloved children. And that's exactly the reason that Jesus' resurrection has to be told. Look at verse 47. Jesus says, Christ will be resurrected on the third day and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You see, the reason that we have to tell the story of Jesus' resurrection is because the story of Jesus leads to repentance. Repentance, it's a long word, but according to Luke, what it simply means is to change your thinking, to change what you think. We must change the way we think about God. We must change the way we think about our sin, about who Christ is, and about who came to overcome sin. And there should be no doubt in our minds that our God overcame sin. There should be no doubt that God is willing to embrace us. All we have to do is believe it. Hold your doubt long enough to believe it. And that idea is so radical. You're not going to find that anywhere in any religion, any philosophy, that God would come for you. And that's exactly what God does. That's exactly why he calls us to repent, to change the way we think, to lose our doubts. And that's good news. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. You see, what, what we have to understand is if faith is holding back our doubt to be convicted of one thing and make, make that our belief, that our commitment, then faith is not an ethic or a morality that, that's kept private in our lives. Faith is the testimony of God's activity in our life. Right, because we're convicted that it is true. Because God is true for us. That we believe Jesus died to save us from our sins and welcomes us into his family as his precious children. And despite our occasional doubts, it's our duty and our obligation to witness the power of God and share it with others. You see, when I gave my life to Jesus when I was 16 years old, it was a friend who shared his testimony. He, he didn't have, you know, philosophical arguments. He didn't have a sales pitch. He didn't wait for the right opportunity. He said, Jonathan, I need to talk to you about Jesus. 
And that was all she wrote. That was the conviction that he had. He needed to talk to me about what Jesus did in his life, which was to welcome him into a family like no other, to be called the son of God. And he said, that's what God has for you. You see, I know this is where doubt for some of us kicks in. It's not believing in Jesus saved us. It's believing that we have something worth saying about Jesus to somebody else. And if you doubt your ability to share your testimony of what God does for you, look no further. Look at verse 49. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from high. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, God becomes your Father. And God, as your Father, wants to richly bless you. And he richly blesses you with his power. His power comes in the Holy Spirit, right? That's exactly who God is promising us. Jesus is promising us the Holy Spirit. His power in your life. Not 10 years from now, not 20 years from now, not in eternity. But right now, you're clothed with the power of God. There should be no doubt in your minds who God is for, who Jesus is for, because he is for you. He is with you. He is never leaving you, right? You can do all things who gives you strength because you believe in Christ Jesus as your Savior. We're clothed with God's spirit. So this moment forth in action and deed and word, live boldly in faith because that is our calling. That is what we're called to do when we believe. And so my challenge, all of us, is when we leave this place that we would live for Jesus like we never lived for him before. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus to save you and release you from the penalties of your sin, I want you to do that today. Do it today. Take that doubt, throw it out. Believe that new life, joy, hope, peace, it can be yours in faith. God dies for us on the cross and the penalty of death and sin cannot hold him back. It will not hold us back. Let's all pray together. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, we are sinners who deserve death. Yet in your love for us, you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to be the sacrificial lamb, to pay the price for our sin. You you did that because you knew we couldn't. We believe and trust you for our salvation. And it's a gift from you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we know we've been crucified with you. And it's no longer us who live, but you, God. You, Christ, who lives in us. And the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in your son who loves us and gives himself for us. Lord, thank you for adopting us as your children. God, as we're, we're adopted here, We live with this brand new identity that we have belonging through you, through your righteousness. Father, help us live in faithful repentance, trusting you with our new lives. And now, Lord, as we move from this place on this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter, that we can be bold in proclaiming the good news of our living God from this place right here in Royal Oak to the ends of the earth so that you can deliver your immeasurable goodness to the lost, hungry, sick, and abandoned. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.